As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi there. My name's Jack, and I love horrible movies. Each week on the Horrible Movie Podcast, producer Phil, a guest, and I talk about a horrible movie. We talk about the actors, directors, the budget, the box office, and like thereof. You also get silly songs, fake commercials, and too much fun to list on this promo. Available everywhere you get your podcast. Remember, just because it's from Hollywood doesn't mean it isn't horrible. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast whose friends and family are fed up with our bioacoustics, it's Sifpa. Welcome to Sif Pop, streaming live most weekends are available to download later in your podcast feed, unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. Woo! I'm your host, Darren Dicer. He's my phenomenal and photogenic co-host, Andrew Ormsby. Oh, ahoy. And each week we'll chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And please welcome a first-time guest guru, it's Sam Nolan. Hello, world of Sif Pop. It is an honor. It is an honor to finally be inside of uh, of the audio files. I always, I always <laughs> treasure so much. Well, it's an honor to have you inside our audio files. Uh, we're we're glad to have you here. Uh, Sam is a staff writer at Cinemaholics.com. Uh, John Negroni, who's been on the show before, a fellow Pixar lover. Uh, that's I think basically we met through Loving Pixar and also maybe Relevant <laughs> Magazine, but uh, but yeah, he's he's got the Cinemaholics website going strong, and uh, Sam writes over there and is also a guest on their podcast over there, and also a huge Godzilla fan. Yeah, so we wanted to make sure and bring him on to uh, to chat about Godzilla, and we had a pre-show with Sam already, 
And I couldn't get you guys to stop geeking out about Godzilla. Even in the pre-show, you guys uh, were going crazy. You just wait until the spoiler cast for oh, this man. My I might as goodness. well just leave. Do you guys just want to do the spoiler cast together? Do, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'll sit here maybe. but <laughs> We're going to be talking about some Easter eggs. Maybe some Easter Island eggs. Are oh, the, hey. starting already. <laughs> I just thought maybe you meant the eggs that were in uh, uh, Madison Square Garden in... Uh, in the Godzilla the, that the shall movie not be we named. Do not talk about <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Um, that doesn't amount to anything more than a lot of fish. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I am excited to hear you guys nerd out. I really am. And by the way, if you aren't a Sif Pop member, now would be a great time to uh, throw up three bucks because uh, that pre show was a lot of fun. We went over <laughs> Sam's list of shame, which was uh, totally fun. Hearing you guys geek out was fun. We did a little, uh, you know, nonlinear storytelling. <laughs> the the, uh, the pre show was recorded out of order in a lot of ways so it's just it's a fascinating time with us during the the member pre-show now that i'm thinking about it i don't want phil to edit that at all i just want people to see the background ideas for how we thought we could make it work right right there's no possible way it's gonna work i mean Phil, Phil could be. We could get Phil a podcasting editing award uh, if he makes that work. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. just that's pure editing genius if he can make that work. Yeah, uh, we're gonna have a good time. We already are having a good time. Uh, excited to do so. Um, we have got a lot of fun stuff to do. Of course, our buried treasure uh, that we like to finish with. Um, we've got a best ever challenge about creature features. Uh, and of course, you can check out the full list of uh, the Sif Pop uh, writers at SifPop.com on that best ever challenge. And we've got another twofer. We're doing another twofer this week. We'll start with Godzilla, and then we'll also review Booksmart. Um, and Andrew, I don't think you got a chance to see Booksmart. Nope. Sam, I'm checking in with you. Have you seen Booksmart? I have indeed. Okay, good. Uh, so we'll have two of us that have seen it. Andrew, you can ask any questions as... You know, somebody who hasn't seen it, uh, and that'll be good. And Sam, you're uh, younger than I am, so I think that's really, I'm really glad that you're here to kind of have a younger perspective, because it's definitely a movie about high school now, not high school when I was in high school. So uh, so, so that'll be, uh, I think, a really great conversation. I'm excited to get there. Uh, But first, we'd like to kick it off with some Do We Care? Every single week, I scour the internet to find out what is going on in the entertainment world. I pick three topics for us to discuss, and we must decide whether we care about them or not. I love the little pause there. (laughs) Or not, or not. (laughs) Or not, or not. Did you see the person who said you should just add or nots like every three words? Yeah. (laughs) I know. I thought about it. Every single or not week. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. Uh, Number one. Robert Pattinson is Batman now. Is he? He is really, really Batman. Yep, today. Like nine hours ago, they announced it. Okay. Yeah. He is Batman. All right. Not Nicholas Holt. Not Nichols. I gotta be honest. I was kind of kind of rooting for Nicholas Holt. Mm, I'm actually okay with Robert Pattinson. No, I'm totally okay with Pattinson. I'm just that's who. If I had to pick, you know, pick one. Yeah. I think I I, I would have liked Holt, but I think Pattinson will do great. Good jawline on that Pattinson. That's all I care about. <laughs> oh yes, Sam. What do you think? I- I look forward to the day where I can write an article that's every live-action Batman ranked by jawline. Yeah. I assume that Robert Pattinson will be somewhere somewhere at the top of that list. The man has a very excellent jawline, uh, and he's a very excellent performer. So I'm excited to see where this goes. The movie itself, I've been I've been uh, skeptical about for a while. I'm not really sure. Uh, Obviously, I'm not really sure what it's going to be because they haven't said exactly what sure. it is, except that it's a prequel. Um, but who knows? It comes out, what, 2021? Is that what it is? Something like that, yeah. 
I mean, we yeah. trust Matt Reeves, though, right? Like, he's done good stuff. Yeah, I yeah. love the Apes movies. Yeah, I think uh, I think Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, especially, is is a uh, quite a good movie, and also Cloverfield. So, uh, yeah, maybe maybe it'll be good. That's that's what I end up coming down <laughs> on. on most that's of these life things. in 2019. Yeah, maybe it'll be good. <laughs> Maybe it will be good. Uh, I I like this. Um, From the first time I heard it was possible. Uh, I thought that's a good choice. Um, I think for the most part, the idea that people are upset about this is kind of a straw man. I don't think a ton of people really are. I think people know that that patents, you know, there are maybe those, you know, Twilight's awful kind of people that, you know, might feel that way. But for the most part, if you're paying attention to cinema... You know Robert Pattinson's done more than just Twilight. Twilight is yeah. awful, yeah, but <laughs> he's a good actor. Yeah. 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 So there we go. There you go. We, go got see, a, we got a new Batman, ladies and gentlemen. Go see Good Time and then tell me that Pattinson will be a bad Batman. Yeah. Yeah. What was he just in? Uh, high, high Life? Hi, high Life. That have was you seen that, good. Sam? The one I where have. they're in space? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it, Andrew? No. Yeah, I saw that. Um, boy, that's a... That's a movie. <laughs> yeah. Wait, when you say it's a movie, are we talking like Moon, it's a movie, or are we talking like Sorry to Bother You, it's a movie? <laughs> ooh, ooh, those are great. Those are great spectrums. Um, I On the spectrum of Moon to Sorry to Bother You, uh, High Life is probably closer to Moon, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but, the, but there's, there's certainly some Sorry to Bother You in there. Yeah. So, yeah. Because <laughs> that that's a movie. I don't know <laughs> what else. Movie. I don't know what else to call it, but a movie. Number two. Number two. Japan is building a new theme park. This is de- definitely different than what we normally do, but it is a Hayao Miyazaki Studio Ghibli theme park. Hmm. Like Howl's Moving Castle, Ponyo, Spirited Away, My Neighbor oh. Totoro, Grave of the Fireflies. Yeah. All yeah. of those. So not not to you know uh, get into any sort of gif gif conversation, but is it Ghibli or Ghibli? I don't know. What do you th- what is Sam? What have you heard? I've always heard Ghibli. Yeah, me um, too. Well, then it's probably Ghibli. Okay, because I didn't know how <laughs> no, to I pronounce just, it. I just thought you know coming from where we were talking about mispronouncing words for our whole life, I just yeah. assumed it was something maybe I just mispronounced. But Ghibli, <laughs> Ghibli. Ghibli. Uh, theme park around Studio Ghibli stuff. Um, hmm. See, even now you're saying Ghibli. <laughs> well, that's because that's what we changed it to. I thought you said you changed it to Ghibli. No, no, no. We no, we are changing the actual pronunciation to Ghibli for you, Andrew, so oh. that you can be right. Well, thank you. <laughs> so Are considerate invent, of you. Let's invent a new one and call it Ghibli. Ghibli. <laughs> that's right. Uh, Studio G theme park uh <laughs> it should be interesting i don't know like it's what are the rides probably the bus from my neighbor totoro and just, you just get on a bus you just get on a bus <laughs> yeah painted like a cat yeah Ooh. Oh. or what is the uh the spirit of the way there's going to be like a sauna you know where you can go and like just a relax. walking house or something yeah oh yeah yeah you know i don't what? know it could be interesting i, I, I want to take a ride in Hal's uh baba yaga house you know <laughs> right that'd just be great yeah Man. i love hayao miyazaki movies and now that i think about it his if they ever made a theme park like out of his like you know imagination 
I would totally go. Well, it sounds like they're doing it. That's just like a another reason for me to really want to go to Tokyo or Japan well, in theme, general. Theme parks are great, man. All the buzz that Galaxy's Edge is getting, you know, like people love being transported. What's Galaxy's Edge? What do you mean, what's Galaxy's Edge? Andrew, <laughs> don't tell me you don't know what Galaxy's Edge is. Is it the Avatar thing? <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, it's uh, Star Wars. Disneyland's new Star Wars park. Oh, they got a new one? Yeah. Oh, cool. Just opening. So, like, they just opened it, like, the last couple months. Mm. So, I think, actually, it's not even technically open yet. I think, technically, it's in, like, cast previews. And so, like, famous people are snagging the plus ones from uh, cast members and that yeah. kind of stuff and tweeting about it. And But it looks phenomenal. You can go drink blue bantha milk and all sorts of fun stuff. Ooh. So. You're not selling me on. <laughs> if the thing you're leading off with is you get to drink blue bantha milk, I mean, Aaron. Didn't it look good when you were watching that movie and you're like, oh, I just got to get some Star Wars milk in me? Yeah. Ooh. Gosh. No? Yeah, sure. No, not at all? You do you. Okay, there's other fun stuff there, too. <laughs> yeah. That you I remember at. whenever I went to, was it Universal Studios? They had the uh, the uh, Stormtrooper uh, speeder, you know, thing that you could get on and do that little fly around and then you could do the uh, tie fighter and it definitely the wing wasn't universal it probably was mgm at the time now whatever was down in florida yeah yeah it's it's the disney park there um no no this was like back in 2002 or something yeah yeah it would have been uh it was universal because i only went to universal epcot and then all the disney parks that's uh, weird universal has never had any association with star wars well but disney has too. i don't know man all I know is I rode an X-Wing and a Stormtrooper speeder bike, and it was cool. <laughs> that is definitely cool. Yeah. That's all you need. And they had a big uh, ATST in front of like yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's it. That's at Studios. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Well, I saw it. It was cool. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, I'm excited for any theme park news because I like theme parks. But Me too. But this one seems a little weird to me. Yeah. The applications for for mascots must be flying in through the mailboxes oh gosh can you imagine the costumes you get to wear for that mm-hmm. that'd be fun <laughs> yeah um number three mm-hmm. i so, mean it's better than a fincher theme park let's just say oh you know <laughs> it's just a whole bunch of boxes everywhere <laughs> what's on the ride what's on the ride what's on the ride what's the legal height limit uh number three sam jackson eddie murphy are reprising or not reprising the remaking grumpy old men really yeah the jack lemon walter matthau movie hmm i don't know i could definitely see eddie murphy as the jack lemon and sam jackson as the walter matthau you know i don't i have maybe, you seen grumpy old men i have okay yeah yeah, yeah. um they they weren't friends <laughs> no thank you yeah uh it'll be i don't know i we're in remake culture so i shouldn't be surprised but at times I'm just like, why this one? Like, are, aren't we okay with the Grumpy Old Men as it exists? Like, uh, oh. aren't there other movies that aren't called Grumpy Old Men that are basically Grumpy Old Like, aren't we already doing the idea of aged friends bickering at each other? Isn't that in a lot of movies already? <laughs> so now you know how I feel about every single Disney live action remake. <laughs> yeah, those, those are different though, right? No, they're like- <laughs> not. They're not different at all. <laughs> Um, but yeah, but I just, I just wonder for me, I'd much rather see, uh, old animated Disney films come to life in a new way than to see this concept, which has been done over and over and over again, thrown with that name on it 
uh, just so that it could be, you know, something new. I don't know. No. It's kind of like the hustle that just came out, which is literally dirty, rotten scoundrels, but with female leads, mm-hmm. uh, except they didn't call it dirty, rotten scoundrels, right? Like they gave it a new name and, but I think they, it's not like they were shy about that's where it came from, Yeah. but it's just, I don't know. It's, it's weird how this stuff gets chosen and, and I don't know, there's a bankruptcy of ideas at some point that you just have to get over and do something new, do something fun with it. Take the same concept and, you know, do something different. Yeah. Yeah. All right, that's going to wrap it up for Do We Care. Very nice. Well, we're going to get into some movies now. Uh, Let's kick it off with Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Mothra. Roden. Ghidorah. Oh, my. They're moving like a pack. They're hunting. They all respond directly to an alpha. We stop this Ghidorah. We stop them all. Is there another creature that might stand a chance against him? My God. Zilla. Members of the cryptozoological agency Monarch face off against a battery of God-sized monsters, including the mighty Godzilla, who collides with Mothra, Rodan, and his ultimate nemesis, the three-headed King Ghidorah. When these ancient superspecies thought to be mere myths rise again, they all vie for supremacy, leaving humanity's very existence hanging in the balance. Um, I am the one on the outside today. Uh, I went and watched a Godzilla movie, but I'm not a Godzilla fan. Uh, And even if I've enjoyed Godzilla movies I've seen before, I am certainly not the Godzilla fans that I have amongst me today. Uh, Andrew is a huge Godzilla uh, person mm-hmm. and movie. Sam is as well. In fact, Sam, you were starting to tell me before the show about what you've been doing recently. Tell us what like your process before going to see Godzilla King of the Monsters. It was a very long process because one thing I like to do is um, when uh, when a big franchise movie is coming out, obviously uh, I like to see all the ones that came before it. And so if I was sane, I would have said, okay, I'll watch the Gareth Edwards Godzilla and that'll be enough. But because I'm a complete maniac, I decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to watch every Godzilla movie before this new one comes out. And not only that, but watch other, like a handful of other movies that are sort of tertiarily related wow. to the outside. Like the Gamera uh, movies and stuff? I... I it was difficult to not include uh, the Gamera movies. I'm talking about weird stuff like the Mysterians and oh. um, and and Dogora, which was completely forgettable. But Gorgo, uh, all, what's that? Did you ever see Gorgo? Gorgo is 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 a treat. That is yeah. that is certainly a crazy. Yeah, one. yeah, Gorgo. <laughs> yeah, Gorgo is the best. Guys, can oh, I yeah. play? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you went. You saw all. So how many movies is that? I think Toho has like twenty five Godzilla movies, something like that. They have. Uh, uh, Toho has produced. I think a little bit over thirty. I think it's thirty five at this point. And did you or watch no, all of those? I watched every single one. So Whoa. all told, uh, all the movies I watched amounted to sixty. What? And I yeah. <laughs> and I watched all of them. Uh, I've, that's what I've been doing for the past four months, like almost every day and uh, almost half of them in the past month. Cause I was, I was dramatically falling behind. I had to 
crank them out like well, just just like three or four a day uh i i bow and, to your uh alpha bioacoustics <laughs> uh that is that is amazing well you know i gotta give them props because as much as i love godzilla and the toho properties there are some movies that uh i could have easily forgotten about you know <laughs> Like Son of Godzilla, that's one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or All Monsters Attack. All Monsters Attack, yeah. Or Godzilla vs. Megalodon, yeah. Yeah. And just to be clear, if you're listening to this, nobody's working from a list in front of them. Andrew has no notes. (laughs) This is is all straight from the brain, uh, what's happening here. Uh, It's good to know I'm among experts. This will be really interesting, really fun. Here's the question I have, even before we get to the like it, loved it, dislike it, hated it, or it was just okay. Here's the first question. Just a... Simple yes or no will do. You can explain maybe a little bit. But do you think your fandom in love for Godzilla, and this goes for both of you, uh, had an impact on your uh, watching this movie? Like, do you think it, and what I mean by that is uh, as far as wanting to like it, not wanting to like it. This is how I feel with Pixar movies, right? Yeah. Like, when I go to a Pixar movie, I'm I'm vaguely aware of my bias, right? Yeah. And I'm just wondering if you guys have that experience as well with something you love so much uh, yeah. sam i'll let you go first i think the answer to 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 your question is yes in in the sense that it did have an impact in how i watched it i i imagine i would maybe my reaction would be about the same but it would be for different reasons had i not done all this build up so i think okay. there are there are certain uh observations i had that i feel like maybe someone less familiar would not have made okay andrew totally Yeah, I think that's normal. And I think it's one of the things we talk on uh, about on Sif Pop a lot. And I think we need to continue to normalize. And that is bias is not a bad thing. It's a normal thing. We if we're not willing to admit our biases and understand how our mind works and wants to like things more than other things. Uh, I think we're doing a disservice to our criticism, right? To our, you know, uh, to talking about this stuff. So I'm glad that you both kind of feel that way because I think it's important that as humans we go, oh yeah, this is something I've loved. And so of course I'm going to want to go in there and, you know, love it more. And I think that's, that's really valuable. Uh, And it's certainly good information for anybody who's listening this to this to go, okay, I'm not a huge Godzilla fan. Maybe I would you know, be more with Aaron or, you know, I am a huge Godzilla fan. So let's listen to what, you know, Andrew and Sam have to say. Um, And I think there's good stuff to take across the aisle as well, you know? So it's, I think it'll be a good conversation. So let's get there. Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay, Andrew? Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Sam? Uh, High side of just okay. High side of just okay. I, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm distraught as well. Uh, I'm on the low side of just okay. I'm almost, I'm almost tripping into didn't like it. Um, in fact, by the end of talking about it, I probably will have traversed over into didn't like it. <laughs> I find that happening with me when I start to actually verbalize the the issues that I have with movies. I'm like, yeah, I, I didn't really like this. Um, so there will be those moments. Um, let, Andrew, let's let you start. You know, with some general thoughts on why you loved it. What what did you love about it? The visuals. I mean, there are several shots in this movie I want as a poster on my wall. Yeah. I mean, it is so cool. The grand scale of it all, and that's not, you know, a pun or anything like that. I mean, just like how some of these shots, you know, are just like giant landscapes with these giant kaiju, you know, just in the background or something. 
just in particular, there's two. The very final shot of this movie, and then there's a shot in a snowy area with Ghidorah and Godzilla. And I'm like, oh, I want those as posters. I want those <laughs> as posters right now. Um, so there's the the majesty, like the yeah, yeah. And actually, this could be where there's a lot of divisiveness. I like, over the course of these three movies in this universe, I am a fan of this world building. I love the you know idea of these ancient titans who have been around forever and that there's, you know, tunnels that lead, you know, throughout the world and that's how they traverse and everything like that. And just so many cool things to where they're trying to make this a quote-unquote believable enough, you know, understandable in some way yeah they're not just him hauling oh they've been around forever they live down deep below you know they're they're trying to make you know a universe here this kaiju universe and they're doing some world building as well with the idea of what these creatures are what their intentions are what their motivations are i was talking about uh the original king kong uh just recently And the idea that what makes that movie amazing and still somehow holds up after, what is it, 70, 80, 85 years? Something like that, yeah. 86 years. Oh, it's insane. Um, Is because they understood that the character of King Kong had to be an actual character and also be the villain and also have us have empathy for the villain in some way. And you watch that movie and it's very obvious they understood storytelling, right? And that's, I think, what they're trying to do here is find some of that storytelling foundation for these creatures. Um, Now, I won't spoil what part of that revelation. I don't even know if it's a spoiler, technically, because I don't know what's been revealed in all the movies you guys have seen. But there's a there's a uh, spoiler point about uh, Godzilla's um, main rival uh, that um, is kind of part of that world building. Right. Like it's that's canon. Is it okay? I'm still. I'm just. I don't know. I'm always, yeah. you know, weary of messing up the experience for somebody. Yeah. But it's what what you're referring to is canon, but it's also not revealed in the trailers. So yeah, um, that's why we're just gonna say yeah, it's canon. We know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, this movie also really emphasizes Ghidorah as this imposing threat. You know, he's always been in cinema one of my favorite villains ever. And I think this movie does such a good job of capturing that. You can tell that Dotery, how do you, is that how you say his name? The director? Is it Dotery or Daughtry? Uh, I think it's uh, Doherty. Doherty? Yeah. You can tell that guy is a Godzilla fan. You oh, can yeah. tell he's a Godzilla fan. Yeah. And that really comes across to what I think other Godzilla fans be like, Oh, I see what you did there. There are yeah. Easter eggs aplenty <laughs> in this movie. And I didn't pick up a one of them. Yeah. Like not a single one. Like I can't think in in this movie. But you know what's nice, and I'll, I'll give the movie credit for this. I didn't. I also didn't pick up moments where it was like uh, that was an Easter egg, right? Because I don't get it. Like you know, like some oh. movies. Like I talked about this with World of Warcraft. World of Warcraft is like this. Uh, and what else just came out recently that I compared to World of Warcraft? It's the same way. That there's a lot of Easter eggs that are obviously Easter eggs, even if you don't know they're Easter eggs. Like was it like mo- Endgame or Shazam or something like that? No, no, it wasn't either of those. But they, th- where it's a moment I have in a theater where I'm like, I get that you're making a reference here. I just don't get your reference. But with the with uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters, I don't know that I ever really felt that. So if you're saying it's full 
full of these references. Mm-hmm. It wasn't full of them in a way that was distracting to me. And oh, I, was I, it Detective Pikachu? It was Pikachu. Okay. It absolutely uh, was Pikachu. Uh, you know, the idea that there are these winks and nods yeah. to stuff that I'm not familiar with. And but I'm very aware that you're making one <laughs> like that's distracting. Right. <laughs> so I didn't feel that necessarily with Godzilla. So I think that's in its positive, you know, category. Yeah. Um, what are some of your general thoughts, uh, Sam? Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what Andrew's saying. I think the visuals are uh, fantastic. I think they're they're just as good as uh, Gareth Edwards previous movie, which mm-hmm. I thought was really fascinating, too. Um, and I think that is the thing that this movie does best from my perspective as a fan is uh, King Ghidorah, who is the nemesis of Godzilla, mm-hmm. like not even Mecha Godzilla, the evil robotic mirror image of Godzilla himself uh, is only is is not even as much of a nemesis <clears throat> as King Ghidorah is. And I like that this movie is. Uh, very narratively flawed, I think. And that's ultimately my biggest problem with it is that it just doesn't, it isn't paced in a way that allows me to sort of get wrapped up in it as much as maybe I would have liked to, um, or to sort of feel the weight of certain moments. Certain moments I did, and uh, in fact, uh, quite a few of them I did. And I think that's where this movie really shines the best. Um, But ultimately what I think this does the best is that it tells a story that is that does justice to these characters that I've I've come to know over the past few months, uh, meeting the monsters obviously in a way that I've never seen before, uh, and I think this quite quite frankly is the best version of King Ghidorah we've ever had, where oh, it yeah. truly gets to the heart of how of why he is the ultimate uh, villain of this series. And I'm sure we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more, but that is sort of, that's sort of where I'm coming from this at, I think. Very nice. Uh, you guys touched on the things I did like, um, uh, the visuals are at moments. I think I would say they're, they're frameable, right? Like there are visuals in this movie, like you were talking about that you wanted a poster on your wall mm-hmm. at the same time. I don't know that the action was great. Like I was, I felt like a lot of the way these fights were shot relied heavily on atmospheric, you know, uh, hiding things. So rain and snow and darkness. And I mean, could the monsters ever fight on a sunny day? Like, I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's like I, I get that something big is going on here, but I can't really tell what it is except in bits and pieces. There's also a lot of typical quick cutting and those kind of things to hide things. And and I think it's in some ways it is what makes those big pullback, you know, frameable moments. It makes those even better because all of a sudden you get perspective when you haven't had it during the middle of the fight. And then you're like, oh, here's the whole perspective. But I kind of wanted that a little bit more in the, you know, the actual fighting of of these monsters, because if I'm not going to connect to the narrative, which I didn't, you know, if I'm not going to connect to the story um, I, I have to be excited about when's the next big fight. And I just like the fights almost got boring to me at times. So yeah. it was it it was rough because I just kept going through wanting to be excited about something and then just just not, you know? Yeah. 
Um, I agree with everything you said. Yeah. But my only pushback is I love the fact that there was so much. I also love the fact that there was so much, you know, uh, you know, weather and stuff like that, because it just emphasizes the fact that these Titans are forces of nature mm. and that, you know, the weather and, you know, the earth, are, you know, is affected by their presence. It just makes them that much more imposing, like, you know, because we always think like, oh, you know, you can't control nature and stuff like that. And the fact that these are creatures that themselves can ultimately control things like that mm-hmm. just by their presence is, you know, awe, awe-inspiring. Uh, lots of Kong references uh, in the movie. Yep. Um, and I I know they're part of the same universe, obviously. This is what we're leading to, right? Like Godzilla versus Kong, isn't that a thing that's, that's the next movie that's happening? Oh, yeah. So, so um, my thing with Kong is I, I am famously a, a uh, defender of Kong Skull Island. I, I think that movie is a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and part of the reason is I feel like it's uh, spectacular in a way in the action that this movie isn't. And what I mean by that is I can see what Kong's doing. I can, f- you know, there's there's sunshine and you know what I mean? Like, it's like, they're not afraid of showing me the actual creature. And I feel like in Godzilla, what I'm trying to say is it felt like they were afraid that their computer generated monsters weren't going to look quite right in the light. And so they wanted to make sure that, you know, they were always shaded in some way. That's what it felt like. Um, And you could be absolutely right. Maybe, maybe it's a story decision, but it didn't feel that way Mm. to me. Um, Mm. So that, that was, that was my, kind of main issue through watching the movie was just kind of i just had fits of boredom during the fights where i was just like why i if if i'm going to a godzilla movie the one time i should not be bored is while the monsters are fighting <laughs> i never felt that way during any of the giant sure, fights i never sure. felt bored but or you've like... also got the the little adrenaline hit of you know you you know these monsters yeah like i'm meeting these monsters for the first time yeah i'm you know i only know what this movie has told me um about them uh, and so I don't have those little adrenaline hits of, oh, I've always wanted to see this. Yeah. You know, I've always wanted to see, it's like, no, I'm seeing this, but I don't necessarily know what I'm seeing or why it's cool, you know? So yeah. there's a little bit of that. Uh, any other thoughts? Even negative? Are we negatives now? Sure. Yeah. Man, this story is lacking. It's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it, the human, whenever it is like a human uh, aspect or a human story arc, it's just so meh, you know, it's like, you could have flushed that out. These human villains are so negligible compared to like the King Ghidorah, you know, story arc or anything like that. I'm like, I thought it was really brave for them to have Tywin Lannister be a character in the movie. That was, yeah. (laughs) That was uh, really interesting. You know, when Ghidorah (laughs) shot him with a crossbow, I was like, wow, did not see that one coming. (laughs) World's biggest crossbow. Yeah, on the toilet of all places. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. I didn't even uh, use toilets. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) It's a waste of a great cast, too, right? Like, that's that's the thing. I love Vera Farmiga. You got Kyle Chandler, Vera Farmiga, Charles Dance. Sally Hawkins. Millie Bobby Brown. Yeah. Which I didn't mind her character all that much. I think for... What she's given, Millie Bob Brown does a really good job. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like you've got you've got O'Shea Jackson Jr. in here who's been doing great work. You've yeah. got Bradley Whitford, who I always love. Thomas Middleditch. Yeah. And mm. Ken Wantanabi. Like there there oh. are such great names in here, and it's just like the movie does not know what to do with them. I will say I really did like Ken Watanabe in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. I really did. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. I think best best character in both movies. I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is. Um, some, that is something that I've been thinking about because I think there's a lot of movies that have like you, just these star-studded casts, um, and it's difficult because obviously it's a it's a huge movie. You got all these human characters in addition to the monsters, uh, so obviously not all of them are gonna get to be as fleshed out uh, as they might be. So part of the disappointment might just be the fact that they're in it. Um, and that they don't that their role just isn't particularly nuanced or something uh, is 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 always disappointing, isn't it? Just to see like you got this great actor, why don't you do something with them? You know, uh, so I I think Sally Hawkins especially is uh, particularly underutilized. But I think it's very interesting that you two are both uh, taking. Uh, uh, take an issue with the story because I actually thought that was one of the best, that was one of the better parts. Um, Ooh, not tell necessarily, me about it. not necessarily for how the, for the way it plays out, but in the way that it, uh, in sort of the underlying message, it seems to be getting at, I've never seen another Godzilla movie. And I think it's very fascinating and very relevant. Um, I'll try to be vague cause it involves a couple of, of, uh, plot details. So, uh, I might have to speak a little broadly. Sure. Here. Go for it. But basically, what we know from the trailer is that there are uh, the Earth is dying. We've seen this in like literally every Godzilla movie, and uh, going back to like the '60s, uh, there was there was a movie where Godzilla literally fought pollution. Yeah, the smog monster, mm-hmm, the yeah. smog monster, Hedera. It's it's fantastic. Um, and so this is not a new thing by any means. It's about how humans are an infection, a virus, a disease, whatever you want to call it, on Earth, slowly killing the planet. And, you know, uh, extinction is inevitable, if not right on the horizon. And the Earth is sort of unleashing the Titans as this defense force. Because what, what we find out early is that they're actually... Uh, they're actually helping save the Earth in a way that uh, we didn't necessarily predict. They're basically um, Thanos, right? Like they're they're sort of. destroying so that new growth can yeah. can come. <laughs> well, the yeah, great analogy was, you know, a wildfire. You know, a wildfire yeah. burns sure. away, but then it allows new life to, you know, flourish. To, it's just to, that to grow I, anew. Yeah, it's just that I think that. I agree. The story premise is super good. It's just execution that I had an issue with. Ah, uh, yes, but I'm not done. And oh, okay. <laughs> uh, and this and this might be stretching a little bit into like uh, not necessarily politics, but just rhetoric, sort of. Um, so just so just bear with me a little bit. But also, what we find out is, as you've alluded to earlier, is that. Uh, basically, they're trying to unleash the monsters. That's what they want to do. They say this is a necessary evil, and it's going to be a big sacrifice. But uh, they, it is going to help save the Earth for future generations. But what happens is that uh, King Ghidorah, the the bad guy of the movie, essentially, is uh, sort of starts wreaking havoc in a way that they didn't necessarily predict, and starts becoming weirdly. Uh, magnetic in a way that is that is very in, uh, entrancing to certain other monsters, particularly Rodan, the the fire pteranodon. Um, 
And I think it's interesting because if you want, you can look at that as um, you can look at the story as a movie about eliminating toxicity, essentially, about cutting out those those bad, evil influences uh, and destroying them in a way to to uh create a better future for yourself and i think and i'm the only one i've uh that i know of of the reviews i've read to have noticed this so maybe i'm picking up on something that isn't there whatsoever but i think it's a really interesting relevant story because as we know there's a lot of there's a lot of toxicity in the world and Mm -hmm. there's not necessarily giant monsters going around at least not that we know of um but i think there is there is a story here about making those sacrifices and not and and approaching uh, opposing forces without being hostile and i know that's that sounds really corny and schmaltzy but i think it could really it, there it's it's very interesting and i wish it was just a better movie around it to to support uh, this this very fascinating story that I was picking up on. So Man. I don't know if I don't know if that makes any sense whatsoever. No, I think you make sense. I just didn't see it. I'm still not sure. I I see those themes through them. I wish I did. I mean, I'm a sucker for a great theme and you know a movie that that puts something metaphorically out there that's you know interesting. And I just it didn't feel like the movie was playing with that in any serious way. Yeah. Uh, it, and it, it, it's it, not nuanced, that's for sure. And, and, and partially, too, because it's just handled so sloppily. Um, there's a, a huge plot twist that we won't go into here uh, about one of the major characters. And it's just handled in such a way by the end of the movie where it's like, was I supposed to be rooting for that? Not rooting for that? Was it a good thing? Was it a bad? Like, there's, like, a, it, it, there's a confusion to what it's doing with its human characters that I just don't think can be intentional. I just think it's, you know, the fact that they had too much to do and and didn't have enough time to really, you know, tighten all the screws on it. So I'm just going to generalize here. The Vera Farmiga story arc was the worst part of the movie for me. It's, it's, it's just handled so poorly. See, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of with Sam in that even that part of it could have been a very interesting part of a deeper movie. Right. Like mm-hmm. there could have been something fascinating there. I just it felt so sloppy to me. Uh, I, yeah. I just keep going back to the first the Gareth Edwards movie mm-hmm. where, you know, Ken Watanabe's character is like the arrogance of man is thinking nature is in our control and not the other way around. And how this movie can sometimes appreciate that, but also tries to defy that notion at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I, I was like, you got to pick. You either got to buckle down and say no yeah we got to totally submit to this or no we're gonna fight back on it and we're gonna try and do our best but the movie tries to go both ways with it and i'm like you gotta you gotta pick a lane you know you gotta well, you at least a- have to have your characters pick a lane so we know exactly you know, who they are and, and where our foundation with them is uh and and yeah it just it feels like a bit of an afterthought for the movie um i i also honestly think a lot of the um the devices, the plot devices in this movie, the actual devices in this movie are kind of <laughs> nonsense. Like the whole bioacoustics thing is just, it's used as a plot device. It's used as a way to get from point A to point B. And yeah. it's just, I it, I mean, I it's your MacGuffin. Yeah. I mean, it's a MacGuffin that kind of means something, but it's, but it is at the end of the day, it's just, it's hard for me to, to just like go along with a movie that wants to 
just yada yada something like that i will say with the whole uh, bioacoustic thing there's a uh there's a, a revelation i guess you could say about mm-hmm. it at the end like how they actually got it to work that mm-hmm. i hated yeah. yeah i really did hate it it seemed very well that's what i'm talking about yeah, egotistical and arrogant yeah, no I'm that's like, exactly what really? i'm talking about yeah um so yeah so there's a lot of that stuff too plus it's like you know godzilla is you know literally the god in the machine like he's deus ex machina yeah. all over the place uh <laughs> in this thing so um deuszilla let's just call him deuszilla yeah and be done with it <laughs> um yeah anything else we want to mention um, I don't think I've ripped into it as much as I thought I might. But. Yeah, yeah. I I see every whenever there's a new Godzilla movie in theaters, my mom always goes with me because that was our thing growing up to go and see all the Godzilla movies together. So I went and saw this with her, and it was just a great experience. You know. Yeah. yeah. Mom, sun time. Oh, I have <laughs> I have one other. Maybe I, maybe I'll wait for spoilers for this. There's no, I don't think so. I think I can do this. A key element to the idea of Godzilla has always been uh, uh, nuclear energy, right? Well, yeah, that's what the first movie was about. Right. I think the way this movie handles it is confusing to me. And maybe I'll need you guys in spoilers to help walk me through this. That's why I'm here. Um, But, uh, and that's about all specifically I can say here, is that I left the theater very confused about a few aspects of... um, of how that would have worked in a few key plot points. <laughs> yeah. Well, so. back in the 1950s, it was actually illegal for Japan to create any movie that was anti-nuclear. Mm-hmm. It was like a giant thing that the United States was like saying, hey, you can't make these movies. You can't make movies about, you know, how nuclear energy and stuff like that is bad. So they created Godzilla as a metaphor for why nuclear energy was bad mm-hmm. so it was like oh totally get it yeah, yeah. I, I get it I'm just saying I'm not specifically, saying you didn't get it that was just me nerding out no 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 specifically back. <laughs> in this movie the way it's used um, I did find a little bit confusing yeah uh, any yeah. other thoughts one last thing from either of you guys I'm gonna see it again a lot yeah yeah <laughs> what about you Sam uh, I might see it again I, I'm focusing on the positives because it's getting a lot of um, a lot of negative criticism, which of course I think is valid. I'm not a particularly huge fan of the movie, but I do, I did, I was satisfied in ways that I was hoping I would be. So I'm, I'm willing to be a little bit more forgiving, but it's certainly a very flawed movie. I think that's fair. I think it's a good place to end up as far as it relates to the summer sum game. Um, it it's looks, making money. It is making money. It looks like it made over six million on Thursday night alone. So. Uh, including about two million in previews. Take um, that in game. So yeah, I'm sure in game is shaking in its shaking boots. Shaking in its boots. Oh yeah. Um, I don't know what that'll be over the weekend. I mean, do we think it'll be in what, like the fifty sixty range? What are we thinking? If I have anything to do with it, <laughs> it'll be all Andrew. Andrew Andrew has been saving up sixty million dollars to go buy Godzilla tickets with. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be oh, amazing. My goodness. Uh, very nicely, it is not not a recommend from me, uh, unfortunately. But I'm sure uh, from Andrew. Oh yeah, it is well, an absolute recommend. You got to be a Godzilla fan to appreciate it on that level. I think. I think so too. I, I really think that's a huge thing. So uh, I'm glad that that's. Uh, that's out there. So there you go. That's Godzilla King of the Monsters. Let's move on. Let's chat a little bit about Booksmart. Oh, oh, sorry, oh, sorry. My sharp elbows. Not as sharp as your chin. What? Amy. Ow! 
It's the last day. We got you through high school. I need to go over the end of the year budget numbers. Can't we just graduate, head off to college? That should do it, right? We will persist. I can't hear you. I can't soundproof glass. We have to go to a party tonight. What? Nobody knows that we are fun. We didn't party because we wanted to focus on school and get into good colleges. And it worked. But the irresponsible people who partied also got into those colleges. Academic overachievers Amy and Molly thought keeping their noses to the grindstone gave them a leg up on their high school peers. But on the eve of graduation, the best friends suddenly realized that they may have missed out on the special moments of their teenage years. Determined to make up for lost time, the girls decide to cram four years of not-to-be-missed fun into one night. A chaotic adventure that no amount of book smarts could prepare them for. It's super bad. I mean, book smart. Uh, <laughs> that was actually going to be one of my questions. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's certainly not untalked about uh, the similarities, and I think that's that's for a good reason. Um, let's talk about this movie. This movie has gotten a lot of great buzz on, you know, kind of the inner film circles and completely ignored on a greater sense. In fact, there's been yeah. a lot of hubbub about why aren't people seeing, you know, book smart and a lot of my film Twitter people up in arms and a lot of my people who aren't on film Twitter in my life going, what's book smart? <laughs> like, you know, so it's just kind of seeing that happen is an interesting thing. Um, it's definitely well loved. It's all, it's very high in Rotten Tomatoes. It was hundred percent for a while. Um, but I think um, somebody brought that down. Wasn't me by the way. Somebody. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember who it was. It, uh, it was Kevin. Of course. <laughs> uh, Sam, did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? I thought it was very good. I'd go, like, high side of liked it, or maybe even low side of loved it. I thought it was really, really, really solid. Excellent. I'm so glad to hear that, because this is the common response to this movie, and I, I'm really glad someone is on the show today <laughs> that saw it <laughs> and had a great time with it. Oh, uh, no! Because, I and, and listen... Here's where we're going to go with this. I am on the, I'm going to go on the high side of it was just okay. okay. Uh, I could maybe go on the low side of liked it. I, I get what people are falling in love with, with this movie. I, I really do. It is very, very personal reasons uh, that I know just apply to me. Uh, maybe a few others. I don't know. Um, as to a reason why I, I have, I have a hard time enjoying these kinds of movies. Uh, and we will get into that. But before we do, Sam, please yes. lay some love on this movie. <laughs> I, oh, excuse me. I've got a bit a bit of a sniffle. Uh, <laughs> I would I would love to. It's um, this is being touted as sort of the movie, like the high school uh, movie or uh, the high school movie for Gen Z mm -hmm. to to end all others. And, and you're I think Gen that's, Z, right? Uh, it, I was born in 99, so is that a yes? I believe that's a yes. By the way, okay. I have a child who was born in 99, so I just felt oh my very goodness. old right now. That's that's amazing. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll try to, I'll be as sensitive as I possibly so, can. So, son, tell us about Booksmart. <laughs> well, Dad, I would love to. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I it, it captures the high school experience of, of now mm -hmm. um, in a way that I've always wanted to see uh, not in like not in the way that it presents a realistic representation of it or that it oh man it understands me um, but it's 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 definitive because 
of the perspective that the story is told through. It's told through the perspective of, uh, frankly, just like the not popular crowd in air quotes. Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily, they're not necessarily introverts. Um, are Amy, you talking about our main? You talking about Amy and Molly, the main characters? Yes. Okay, I am. Yeah, they're not. Uh, they're not among like the cool crowd that everyone is. That everyone probably knows from their high school. Uh, they're they're in student government, and they're all about studying and hard work. And they say there. There's a part where they're saying like, "Yeah, we're you know we're cool. We have fake IDs. That's those are college IDs to get into their library." <laughs> so that's sort of the extent that their debauchery goes to, as compared to their. Uh, classmates Mm -hmm. and I love the way that it it addresses the pain and the loneliness that that is so easily uh, felt by anyone especially now when everything is so uh, public and so you know everything's just out there on the internet and even in person mm-hmm. now everyone's everyone's uh you know really expressive with just their lives and everything uh and this of course just speaking from what i know uh, i graduated high school in 2017 so i imagine it's relatively the same yeah i would imagine so later. Uh, unless something crazy happened right after I <laughs> yeah. left, but right after you left, it all got nuts, man. <laughs> it's like, oh man, Sam wasn't wasn't here to hold it together anymore. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love the way, especially towards the end, where everything that's happened, because it's a big, raucous, raunchy adventure, gallivanting through the city, you know, taking lifts that happen to be driven by Principal Sudeikis, which I thought was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's this adventure through the city. I, it takes place some nondescript uh, town in California, or maybe it's maybe it's specified, but I can't quite remember. Uh it's just a little community. Um, but the way it all amounts at the end, when they finally get to this party that they want to go to, because that's their whole deal, is they want to have one last night before graduation where they get to go out and party like they've always wanted to and like their friends always have. And they finally get there and the movie doesn't end. That's what I love is that it, it recognizes that getting to that place is not the end goal. Mm-hmm. Um and that it's it's just like any other part of life, you know. There's some good, there's some bad, and they and they finally get a taste of uh, just the just the I, I use the word again, just the pain of adulthood. Essentially, uh, I mean, I'm not an expert on adulthood by any means. I'm not even I don't even consider myself to be a part of it yet. But it's it's uh, it's there, and I think I I just I love the way that this movie really isn't afraid to lean into those heavy, frankly, sort of maudlin emotions that mm-hmm. are seen in a lot of high school movies, but not in a way that is so that is ever that is always so empathetic um, and so effective yeah. to, to me as an audience member. So I I could like, you know, every scene has a laugh out loud moment, but it'll be immediately followed by like one of the biggest you know, just greatest moments of acting I've ever seen. So it's one of my favorites of the year, and I would I would be amazed if it doesn't end up on my top ten of uh, of the year. And so I I could even see it again because God knows the movie needs the money. Yeah, um, Caitlin Deaver is amazing. Yes. She's just yes. incredible. Uh, she's like one of my new faves. Um, yeah, she's so great in this. And her and uh, Beanie Feldstein 
their friendship in this, their chemistry is so great. Uh, and I think they make the movie. Um, they are hilarious. This movie is hilarious. Uh, uh, Billy Lord is hilarious <laughs> yes. in this movie. Uh, then you've got people you know, like Will Forte, Lisa Kudrow, Jason Sudeikis, uh, putting in some fun stuff. So it, this this movie is, in in all the ways, a good hang, right? Like, it's just... It's a fun experience. It's interesting. It takes its time to, you know, give you some good drama, some some big moments. Um, and so I am not surprised at all people are falling in love with it. So here's where I will open up a little bit. And I'm going to be honest here. This is me being a little bit vulnerable, more vulnerable than uh, even usual here on the podcast. But um, it is hard for me. Let me see if I can say it this way. And by the way, this is the only time I, I'm not going to tweet about this. I'm not going to publicly say anything more about book smart i i want to let people who love that movie just love that movie because there's a lot of them and it's you know i get it i totally get it um i'm gonna start with a quote from another pop culture podcast i listened to and they said this there's almost no one who had a seamless experience through high school and if they did they almost deserve to be a villain in the movie which they inevitably are and there's something interesting to me and hard for me as somebody who, and I'll, I'll just say it this way, had a seamless experience in high school. Uh, I had a great time. I had good friends. I, you know, I felt uh, like, you know, I did the things I wanted to do. I achieved in the ways I wanted to achieve. Uh, and this idea that you're missing out on something if you're not partying, if you're not, you know, Engaging in risky behavior is very difficult for me to um, to understand is probably the best way to say it. Right. Uh, I feel very thankful that I didn't engage in risky behavior in high school. I am there's there's even a line in the movie at one point where one of the characters says, boy, it's, you know, get it out of your system now, because if you do like me and, and wait, it messes you up for life, you know, kind of thing. Uh, yeah. I think it was something along those lines, wasn't it, Sam? Something very similar to that, at least. Yeah, something pretty much like that. That would be that would be Mrs. Fine, yeah, uh, or or Miss Fine, possibly, uh, who is uh, Jessica Williams, who I think is a great character. And there's this mindset, and it's through a lot of pop culture. And to be honest, maybe it's because it's true for a lot of people. I don't know. I only know my own experience. But there's this mindset that. The teenage years are the time for you to be risky, the time for you to party, the time for you to, to make bad decisions. Uh, and it's like, I don't, as human beings, shouldn't we be saying actually no time is the time to do it? But if you do do it, here's how you work. You know what I'm saying? Like there's just there's a there's a very difficult thing for me to understand why everybody feels like it's just something that every teenager has to do at some point because I wasn't that person. And I've never looked back on that time and gone oh man, I wish I had gone out drinking with my friends or I wish I had tried all the drugs or, you know, I wish I had been having sex or, you know what I mean? Like I just haven't looked back at those years in with regret. I've actually been very thankful that I feel like I processed a very mature, you know, adolescence, you know, through adulthood. And I, I get how that sounds. That's why I'm never saying this again. Like I totally, <laughs> I totally understand <coughs> how that sounds and how foreign that might be to a lot of people. But I want to be the one who's at least willing to say, look, it's not inevitable. You can make wise decisions. I'm not perfect. I've messed up many times, but I, you know, you don't have to do risky things to enjoy high school. Does that make sense? 
Is it that makes perfect sense? Okay, and and you know what? I will say this: I I completely agree with everything you're saying, and I totally understand it. And um, if if I may get slightly personal as well, uh, I was actually the same way. I I never did anything uh, scandalous. I went to one party in high school, and it was a cast party. So you know that was low. <laughs> that was low brow when it comes to high school. Well, and that's parties. the thing. I'll let you continue, but that's the thing. I I never. I don't feel like I missed out on any fun. Like I had a ton of fun in high school. You know what I mean? Like, but it. It didn't have to be in the way that this movie says, oh, you better get all of that out of your system kind of thing. Yeah. 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 No, I think you're right. And I think it's I think it's more important than uh, than honestly, even you're giving a credit for, because uh, I, I, I also do feel the same way. And I think they try a little bit. Uh, this is maybe one of my problems, like just my very, very few problems with the movie is um, they sort of try to address that at the beginning. Uh, and it culminates in this big, huge uh, fantastic conversation uh, how uh, Amy, Caitlin Dever is is sort of reluctant like she doesn't really care mm-hmm. it's really it's really Molly yeah. Amy Feldstein uh, who is sort of who's sort of determined and steadfast like yeah we're gonna go out and we're gonna break some rules mm-hmm. dang it um, and, and Amy seems actually fairly satisfied um with with her ostensibly you know boring experience and i think it's good that we have a character like that um and i think the journey that that she ends up going on really does justify maybe you might have to think about it a little bit but i think it really does justify that yeah it's it's uh everyone sort of experiences it differently even though it seems like the movie is maybe promoting some sort of unified uh, ideal high school experience. I think under under the surface, I think it is acknowledging that there is complexity to this, um, because there is there are just ups and downs all throughout this movie, which I think is inherent in the premise. You know, they're on top of the world and then they're crushed the very next moment. Uh, that happens multiple times. So I think uh, I think what you're bringing up is is certainly very important. Um, it's but it, I it's a yeah, core no, it's a corollary to when I talk about like Goodfellas or something like that. You know, it's kind of a corollary to the same thing of a, a of a movie that feels um, that I get the filmmaking, why people love the filmmaking, but gangster movies are hard for me because often they are about the idea that this is fun. Like this is fun to watch in, in that kind of thing um, where, you know, these are awful people. So, and I'm not saying that, that these characters are awful people. In fact, I don't want to make it sound like this is project X or something. You know what I mean? Like this isn't, this isn't a party movie in that way. Um, But it is similar. And by the way, I had the same feelings about super bad. You know, that's how, I mean, that's exactly how I felt about that movie. As hilarious as it was, I just, I have this creeping feeling like I just don't understand this. I don't get it. I don't, I don't get the desire. I don't get the need. I don't. So it's it's one of those things where I'm just disconnected from a movie that I get that a lot of people won't be disconnected from. And so um, in order for me to be honest about how I experience the movie, I think I have to talk about that. Um, Of course. But at the same time, I can recognize why people are falling in love with this movie and why they're having such uh, a good time with these characters. So. Um, hopefully I express myself well enough to be understood and, and, uh, you can forgive me for having a boring, uh, high school experience, <laughs> but, uh, I do, I do also wonder about the creeping idea that, 
seeps into culture that this is what high school is because pop culture very much portrays high school this way. Um, you know, and I've talked to my own kids about it and they don't understand that world either. At least that's what they're telling me. Kids lie to their parents. Sure. But, um, uh, as far as I can tell, they seem authentic and honest. Uh, and in fact, I asked one of my sons, you know, if uh, actually just graduated, I said, you know, were there any graduation parties you didn't go to because you thought it might be risky behavior or whatever? It's like, dad, no, nobody is doing that in our high school. I'm like, all right. Okay. Um, I'll believe you, I guess. Either he believes that and it's not true or maybe it's true. You know, he graduated in class of 200 and maybe there weren't. Maybe there were a couple of, you know, guys that went and, you know, drank a couple beers or something. But these weird house parties, like what world yeah. is that, man? Like, I don't. It, it could. It could be geographical. I think that's that true. Might be part no, 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 no. I think you're right. It could be very California. I think yeah. that's probably well, true. There was a ton of house parties whenever I was in high school. Yeah. I didn't go to them, but... <laughs> uh, Andrew, ask us some questions. You haven't seen the movie. Like, what do you want to know about? We've kind of spent all our time on, you know, some deeper philosophical stuff. But... So, correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, I always hear this, uh, you know, it's a comparison to Superbad. Yeah. But it sounds more like, in Superbad, they weren't, like, book smart, you know, they weren't, they were just goofy kids who just weren't popular. Right. Whereas this one seems like these are, you know intelligent people they have book smarts just maybe not street smarts that's correct okay yeah the idea is they thought they were being overachievers so they could get into the right schools and then they realized that even the people who were going out partying got into the right schools too yeah uh, and so they were like what we miss and you know and well i you're right it was molly more than than amy that wanted to do it but yeah, yeah. it seems more like a uh a midlife crisis for yeah teenagers. no that's right that's that's a great way to say it i think yeah it's kind of a mid-high school crisis or yeah. late high school crisis yeah kind of thing <laughs> no that's a great way to say it um yeah anything else you wanted to to know about i think you'll like yeah. it i think you will laugh a lot I'm that's not, the thing it's yeah. super funny it i have really a feeling is. i will and i do plan on seeing it um I actually have tickets to see it tonight. So, oh, nice! There we go. Well, maybe we'll get you. Uh, maybe we'll get your thoughts on it on the next episode. Just yep. kind of see where you land on this whole thing. So, thank you for your patience with Aaron as he goes through his own, you know, personal experience. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad that everybody is loving Book Smart. It's a that's a fun thing. So. I'm just upset that you didn't have a horrible experience in high school. Like I, <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> well, that's when I heard her uh, when I heard her say that on the podcast I listened to. That they they deserve to be a villain. I'm thinking I deserve to be a villain. Like I, I, it's just it's hard for me to understand that concept that you know we that if you are making wise decisions, that's a bad thing. You know what I mean? Like that's I don't know. And again, yeah. I'm not perfect. I'm not saying I'm perfect. You know, obviously I've I've made mistakes, but um, but it's just it, I didn't do them because I thought I was missing out on something. <laughs> he did them accidentally, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Before we head on to the best ever challenge, just a thank you to our members at Sif Pop. We love you. Thank you for making this possible. Um, we could not do it without you. There is a beautiful members only pre-show that you get to listen to that we did with Sam. Uh, feel free to check that out in your own dedicated podcast feed. Uh, by the way, all those will come into you automatically. Huge thanks to Danny, who's a new member of hey. Sif Pop. Thank you. Appreciate that. And Tate. 
as well, hopping in and uh, throwing a couple bucks a month our way. Uh, if that's something you are interested, we uh, we thank you highly for doing that. If you want to do it, just go to Patreon. Patreon.com slash SIFTPOP. S-I-F-T-P-O-P. Comes with some real fun perks. And thanks again. All right, let's move on to the best ever challenge. We're going to do best ever creature features. Uh, these are movies like Godzilla that feature big creatures. Um, <laughs> so uh, the creature feature... I think we can pretty much draw it back to King Kong, the original King Kong. Um, the idea of taking a big monster, putting it on the screen, and uh, watching people squirm. Uh, so we're going to do our top five. We'll go from number five to number one, and then we'll throw out some honorable mentions as well. Um, Sam, we'll let you start as the guest. What is your number five? Sure. So um, when it came to deciding how I was going to sort of define my parameters for the list. Um, there were there were a ton of movies that I had to choose from, uh, and there are so many that I still have yet to see, obviously, just because I haven't had the time. Um, but I wanted to choose... The movies I wanted to choose for my list are something in which uh, the creature either sort of represents something or is just imposing in some notable, memorable fashion... Uh, so as a result, my number five might be a little bit of a cheat, and so and and if it if it wants to be disqualified, then I do have an alternate choice. Um, so my number five, we won't is, disqualify anything. We'll just make fun of you. That's we don't oh, do well. any disqualifying. <laughs> <laughs> I will keep that in mind. All right. So so if uh, in that case, then my number five is the Babadook. Oh, okay. That's an yeah. interesting choice. Um, one, one where the creature might not even really exist, which is why it's it might it might be a little bit of a stretch. Yeah, that's a bit of a stretch, but we'll let you go with it. Yeah. We don't talk right. about the Babadook on this show enough because neither of us are horror fans. So, but I love that movie. Do it's you? good. Yeah, it's a good movie. What do you got, yeah. number five, Aaron? Well, let me talk about the Babadook a little oh, bit. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so uh, so the Babadook, which you which you've probably heard of, came out twenty fourteen. It's uh, the movie in which uh, there's a woman who's about to give birth, and then suddenly, while her husband is driving her to the hospital, uh, gets in a huge car wreck that kills her husband, and so as a result, their child is born into a world right from the beginning of trauma and anguish uh, that lasts all the way until. Uh, <clears throat> until like it's getting close to his seventh birthday and the kid is sort of sort of misbehaved um in a way that is sort of eating away at amelia the mother played by essie davis um and what happens is that the boy finds this book like this mysterious storybook somewhere uh about a creature called the babadook which is sort of just a shadowy specter um that isn't that isn't necessarily physical, but it's this insidious uh, underlying force of of uh, it might be something that's being denied or something that's being repressed. Uh, I I I might be getting the phraseology slightly wrong, but it's uh, if it's in a word or if in if, if it's in a look, you can't get rid of the babadook. So it's mm -hmm. something that is like a distant memory uh, of some past evil. And 
it just it just starts to infect their household in this really slow burny really frightening really creepy way like roaches start crawling out of the walls or do they uh and the the mom just starts sort of slowly spiraling into madness uh and by the end it sort of it sort of pulls the rug out in a way that recontextualizes the entire movie and the monster never really shows up there's a couple of times where there's like maybe a faint sort of mirage kind of vision uh of what might be a monster but it's not about it's not like a slasher it's not where the monster's hiding around the corner and is gonna attack at any moment it's that it's always there uh and just and has to be dealt with and it's difficult to deal with and it's really atmospheric and i think it's a really really solid movie nice number five totally uh, agree my number five is the host yeah uh, honorable mention <clears throat> um i this is definitely one uh you need to check out uh this is this is where not enough people have seen it no, absolutely not. Um, and this is where I fell in love with uh, Bong Joon-ho uh, and have since loved Snowpiercer and Okja and I'm very excited about what's his new one that's in the festivals right now. It's like Parasite or something like that. Yeah, yeah Parasite. Uh, I just there's something he is able to do with the combination of the subtleties of humanity combined with absolute insane sci-fi premises that is really fascinating to me and i also think he likes to mix it up a little bit um you know okja is a is a you know that's an interesting frequency movie like you have to be on its mindset to really fall into a movie like okja it's strange it's weird it's you know different but if you can lock into his frequency in that movie uh i really think it's beautiful and meaningful um, so I'm, I'm excited about whatever he does, but yeah, the host is where I, I fell in love with him and it is a straight up creature feature. You know, it is a straight up chemicals, create a monster and, <laughs> and that monster is after people and where it goes, uh, is just a blast. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. So there you go. The host. My number five. The host 2006, I should say. There's yeah, more not than that, one. Not that other one. No, not the oh, other God, one. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, I went pretty much with the basic definition of a creature feature. It has to have an horror. It has to have a horror element to it. Okay. And so I'm going back to a classic, uh, Godzilla 1954. Nice. Um, ah, I nice. actually, um, I saw the Raymond Burr, the Americanized version, <laughs> when I, first, and I it took me I don't even know how many years before I realized that there was a version that didn't have him in it that the americans just filmed extra stuff and just threw that guy in the movie <laughs> to sell tickets to it so for the longest time i didn't even realize but the movie is fantastic it is a human movie that just happens to have a monster in it as this giant metaphor and i think it's beautiful it's a classic that i think everybody should see yeah um very nice all right let's move on to number four what do you got sam uh okay so my number four also going back to the to the same era um and this one might also it isn't like it, it doesn't have a big monstrous monster i guess uh but it is another sort of insidious monster it is the 1956 invasion of the body snatchers oh the original Ooh. one yeah is I I am in the minority of sl- of preferring that over the Philip Kaufman one with 
uh, Leonard Nimoy and Jeff Goldblum and Veronica Cartwright. Uh, I th- but although that one's great too, I think the 1956 one, that is one of my favorite sci-fi movies of all time. And sci-fi is my favorite genre. So it's, it's the movie where, you know, it's just a normal day in 1950s ideal America when suddenly, uh, Everyone starts acting very strangely, even though they look exactly the same. Uh, they start at they. It's it's almost as if they lost their humanity, and slowly, this small uh, cadre of characters comes to the realization that we are being invaded by aliens who assume the form of whoever they happen to be able to incapacitate. Um, and it's this this huge metaphor for for the Red Scare, no matter how much the filmmakers deny it. Um, <laughs> but it's also just this really classy, old school, exciting, in spite of its relatively lo-fi uh, budget, uh, just paranoid thriller. And I think the yeah. fact that we only get one good shot of like we sort of get to see the mutation process and it's, and it's really grotesque, especially to see it in black and white. It's this weird contrast with what we're maybe expecting nowadays. Um, and it just, it, it keeps the suspense throughout, even though it's not a huge special effects movie. And it's one of my favorites of all time. Very nice. Uh, my number four is the birds. This is probably where I stretch the idea the most, but I think you could qualify the birds as a creature feature. Um, Absolutely. And I, it is really Hitchcock's only kind of uh, wading into this idea. His stories are usually very human. They're, you know, they're usually about the human psychology and um, how humans interact with each other and treat each other. And they're pretty straightforward stories. But this is his most sci-fi, his most, you know, monster movie. Um, and he is on full display here doing Hitchcock stuff. And it's very very interesting um the tension building in this movie is some of the greatest tension building ever put to film um it is tension building that results in never looking at birds hanging on a wire the same way again uh it is you know uh it's it's fascinating i i i remember how frightening the first time even as you know um uh, a kid who you know was beyond the era of this movie um how frightening i still found that scene where they're trapped in the house and the birds are trying to get in the house and it's just it's wow it's intense crazy stuff uh, what's her name? The main, Tippy Hedren. Yeah, whenever Tippy Hedren's sitting on the park bench. Yeah, that yeah, that's, that's the classic that's one. That's my scene right there, and she keeps starts running with her. the kids. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, even right before the running with the kids, how they just keep landing more and more crows mm-hmm. on the playground. And, yeah. Ugh. That scene is what gets me. Yeah, it's fascinating. And you stuff. watch it now and you realize like ninety percent of those birds are fake. They're just like uh-huh. glued <laughs> onto that thing. Right. But still, it's it's so good. It's actually one of my favorite Hitchcock movies. Yeah, it's good stuff. So that's my number four. What nice. do you got at number four, Andrew? I'm probably gonna get trumped here. Jaws. Um, oh we, yeah. We we uh, we can talk about it now. Well, I, I think uh, Sam. Do you say you're gonna trump it? Uh, yes. All, All right, right. We'll wait. Yes, we'll wait. Uh, Sam, what's your number three? Uh, my number three. This one also might get trumped, uh, or or maybe not. It's uh, it's kind of an obvious pick, but for a good reason. It is the original Alien. Ooh, yeah. I have it in my honorable mentions. Nice. Um, but I. Yeah. But yeah, you can go ahead and talk about it. 
It's uh, it it's it's one of the most iconic movies of all time, and it's for for a good reason. It's um just one of the most one of the most suspenseful, creeping, uh, what is essentially a slasher movie of all time. Uh, even though it's it's really sci-fi at its base, and uh, I think really what makes it scary is sort of the essence of the tagline in space no one can hear you scream is because the only thing scarier than being hunted down by this uh, alien force that is is completely unstoppable is not being able to go anywhere or do anything about it more or less uh and so it's endlessly rewatchable and amazingly acted and amazingly shot uh especially considering sort of all the all of the troubled stuff on set which are some great stories mm-hmm, yeah crab walking alien crab walking alien uh you know asphyxiating in the in the in the spacesuits because they had a bad uh air filtration <laughs> system all sorts of stuff like that, and it, it it was all worth it though, if I if I do say so myself. Uh, so yeah, one of another one of my all time favorites. Very nice. Uh, so that was number three. Um, so I think that means it's my turn for number three. Yep. Uh, this is where I have the original King Kong uh, from nineteen thirty three, uh, and I do have King Kong two thousand five in my honorable mentions. Um, but uh, this, I I just don't know that I could really make this list without at least honoring this movie um it is the prime example for me of the power of storytelling um because it is such an old movie and you would think doesn't really have anything to offer a modern audience but when you watch it it pulls you in and that's oh yeah that is the power of storytelling because you know everything you're looking at is fake now audiences at the time were blown away like audiences at the time thought magic was happening you know (laughs) like which is (laughs) such a beautiful thing um but uh, but yeah, if you think this movie is too old for me to enjoy, just give it a chance. Just, you oh, know, yeah. find King Kong, the original King Kong, and give it a chance. It was beauty killed the beast. Yep. <laughs> My number three. Number three, Andrew. He went with Alien. I'm going with Aliens. Okay, uh, very nice. Yes. Yeah. Whereas one is more of a horror movie, I'm definitely more of a fan of the action, uh, you know, tone of the second one plus the queen alien one of the best villains ever you know just a walking ominous you know just horrifying creature you know Mm -hmm. and uh the fight with her and ripley in the mech suit is just iconic i love it so many amazing scenes in that movie from that one to whenever they're trapped in the room with the face huggers and stuff it's just oh i love that movie so much i prefer it over the original but i love them both very nice on to our number twos what do you got sam my number uh my my silver medal winner is uh one of the ultimate creature features in the in almost every sense it is john carpenter's the thing Mm -hmm. scariest movie of all time it's it's up there. It's way up there. It's got such a simple hook. It's just an alien that can convincingly shapeshift into into anyone it finds or anything it finds uh, if it's alive, um, and just happens to find its way into this remote Antarctic facility in which help might never show up again. And so it's what is what is our responsibility at that point? 
because this thing could easily like take over the world if it wanted to. And everyone who's ever watched this movie has like put themselves in the position like, what would I do if I thought my friend might be secretly an alien that could kill me at any moment? And it's it's just it it keeps the suspense all throughout. I love the Russian roulette scene, basically, with the with the blood where they're testing the blood with the wire. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah everything it just jumps out and it it really it really creates this desolate environment um and this sense of fear and mistrust and and almost an anger i would say is not a word that i hear get brought up a lot but it's just this this frustration of not knowing what's yeah. right in front of you and which i think is really what makes this hold up to this day uh, along with the special effects and the acting and everything, it is s- second to one, I would say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I know what that one is. Yeah. Uh, that one is my number two, so we'll just wait till it's your number one. Uh, gotcha. So, uh, so yeah, I've got Jaws at number two. Andrew, what do you got at number two? Pan's Labyrinth. Oh. Ooh. My favorite nice. foreign language film of all time. Wow. Nice. Uh, going from The Fawn to the pale man the pale man is just horrifying on every single level i think that guillermo del toro whenever it comes to this type of movie where he really just comes into his own really and he's not doing like hellboy or you know movies like that which i love but whenever he's doing movies like this or shape of water whenever he's you know really in his element and just making something out of pure love and passion i think that's whenever you really see the magic that is Guillermo del Toro. Very nice. I'm not going to rain on your parade. My my thoughts <laughs> on uh, Pan's Labyrinth are no. not nearly as, as yeah. uh, nice. Everybody's allowed to be wrong once <laughs> in a that's while. Right. That's right. <laughs> that's one of mine. Sam, do you like Pan's Labyrinth? Uh, I have not seen it. Oh. That, is, that would be another one. Another uh, well, now you have to, to, to break the tie. See, you've yeah. got to let Andrew and I know, you know who's right. I'll, I'll tweet at both of you once I see <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Very nice. All right. Uh, so we're on to our number ones then. Uh, yep. And we already know what we're about to talk about now. It was on all three of our lists at different places. Yep. Nice. Uh, it is Jaws. So tell us about Da-da-da-da. Jaws since you have it at number one. Uh, yeah. Jaws is an all-time classic. It's, I, it's amazing to think that it's almost 50 years old and that it still holds up so well. Um, it is... Uh, it's sort of the most adventurous monster movie you'll ever see. It's like not as uh, it's not as doomy and gloomy as I think it had been made out to me before right. I ever saw it, uh, which which was an amazingly pleasant surprise. Um, it's got that adventurous theme that I love, where they're going out. I love that when they're just. It's like, yeah, we're going out to get the shark, but it's also not afraid to get melancholy when they're, right. you know, uh, comparing the scars. You know, she broke my heart, and uh, and uh, singing the song and everything. And it's got it just runs the gamut of emotions, and it's. It's a monster movie, but it's about the characters and it's the ultimate it's it's sort of the ultimate uh, aspiration for any monster movie in one sense, I would say. Yeah, um, man, that movie. The uh, the the Indianapolis speech. Yeah, I was about, that's is, literally what I was about to bring up the Quint talking about the USS oh, in Indianapolis. Sometimes that shark looks right at you. Yeah. Looks in your eyes. 
Yeah. Uh, like, oh, yeah. There's a thing about a shark. It's got lifeless eyes. Black yeah. eyes, like a doll's eyes. <laughs> Quint was such a great character. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the best. Yeah. Uh, and then at the end of the story, he's like, anyways, we delivered the bomb. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's just so good. Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised none of you have my number one on your list. Well, maybe I do. Okay. I haven't heard my number one yet, have we? Well, I thought you said Jaws was. No, Jaws was my number two. Oh, okay. I didn't talk about it last time around. My number one's Jurassic Park. Ditto. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just, it's such a perfect movie. Yeah. Um, in <laughs> it is. The way, the way it handles uh, the tension of these giant creatures, uh, the way it uh, allows the human characters not to just be, um, you know, uh, food, chased food. But, you know, something more that we actually care about, their philosophies, what they're thinking, you know, Ian Malcolm, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's great stuff. So Jurassic Park's always going to be up there for me. I love Jurassic Park for the element of not man versus nature, but it's instinct versus intelligence, really. Can you outsmart something that has been genetically perfected, really, over however mm-hmm. many decades, eons, centuries, whatever you want to say, you know, like... The raptors, yes, they're... I'm not even going to get into the whole, you know, what's scientifically accurate or anything. I'm just going to go based solely off the movie and what the mm-hmm. movie tells us. Yeah. Of how, Dinosaurs are big chickens, by the way. That's what we've learned in modern science. Yeah, six-foot <laughs> turkey, apparently. <laughs> yes, apparently. Um, but pretty much, you know, it's... Can out can you outsmart uh, nature, really? Mm-hmm. Can life find a way? There's so many moral quandaries. And something that I will... Uh, not diss the movie for but i would have liked to have seen i would have liked to have seen hammond really just go all villain like he does in the book Mm. you know like if they really would not have made him sympathetic you know yeah from a book reader's perspective because i did read the book before i saw the movie um and you know my perspective was both hammond was is so different and muldoon is so different and muldoon just goes out so early and so quickly and he's he's such an incredible warrior in the book and it's just like yeah i just i i miss that was my as a book reader that was my main complaint with jurassic park at the time was what are you doing to Muldoon? but as a Mm. movie it works like that's where that character is you know done so Mm -hmm. but yeah yeah it's it's the ultimate creature feature really uh, that's what both you and I said. Yep. Um, all right, honorable mentions. Yep, got a bunch. Um, Sam, did you have any honorable mentions? Uh, only like three dozen. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> we're already a supersized episode, so let's just right. let's just run them down. You can you can say as many as you want, um, okay. but o- maybe only talk about a few of them. Uh, yeah. Why don't you go ahead and do that? Why don't you go ahead and run us through your honorable mentions, and that'll probably knock most of mine off my list. So, well, uh, uh, Jurassic Park was my alternate number five, so yeah. it it would have made my list, um, but I thought it made, I thought one of you might bring it up, and it turns out you both did. Yeah, so it all there worked you out. go. Um, yeah, so you guys dig up uh, dinosaurs. I love that. <laughs> so <laughs> try to one. <laughs> there's there's one uh, that I really want to talk about, and it's not 
The, funnily enough, the reason I ended up not including it is because it's actually not a feature. It's actually a short, oh. but it's but it's one of my favorite short movies of all time. Um, and it is an animated Superman cartoon from 1941 called The Arctic Giant, uh, in which Superman fights a thawed-out Tyrannosaurus that looks nothing like a T-Rex because they didn't really know what a T-Rex looked like, or at least not our modern idea of it. Um, and it is shallow and thin, but it is one of the it is one of the greatest animated shorts. I have so much fun with it, and it's uh, it's one of my favorites. So nice. I was I was very close to including it. Uh, the reason I didn't decide to include uh, King Kong or Godzilla was because um, I thought maybe just for posterity but because i watched those movies as part of my epic godzilla right. marathon i thought i should focus on something else but those are both two all-time classics right um so uh just to very quickly list honorable mentions is uh the thing from another world the original version of okay. the thing war of the worlds both versions uh forbidden planet which has an invisible monster mm-hmm. which is cool both versions of the fly speaking of uh jeff goldblum yes yes <laughs> uh yes uh, yes both versions of the blob uh night of the living dead which is more zombies than creatures but whatever the andromeda strain which is miniature creatures which i like very much uh john carpenter's first movie dark star which is this weird comedic riff on 2001 a space odyssey that plays really funny today uh a movie called long weekend i don't know if either of you have ever heard of this mm-hmm. where, where nature fights back but in the most insidious way possible against this completely oblivious couple in the australian wilderness it's, wow. a, it's a really good one uh they live another john carpenter mm-hmm. movie Cloverfield, of course, District 9, of course, uh, A Quiet Place, which I uh, had to remind myself has monsters in it, Um, the original Predator, and also Predators, which I'm a bigger fan of than most, Uh, and not really a creature feature, but I love the monsters in Aquaman. That's one of my favorite parts of the movie. Okay, (laughs) fair enough. Uh, You did mention one of mine, so I'll just uh, chat about Cloverfield just a little bit um, because it's on my honorable mentions. Uh, That, I I think that is a movie that we're going to look back on and just be amazed at how much it influenced cinema long-term. Like, it's not one we think is a like a, a big kind of life-changing thing because, like, when we think of found footage movies, we think of Blair Witch, right? Like, Blair Witch is the one that, that changed the game uh, in that way. But Cloverfield, in a sneaky way, took that concept and did a couple things with it. Number one, it made found footage broader, you know, like, not just horror, you know, brought it into sci-fi and, and that kind of stuff. In number two, it kind of created an expanded universe um, in in some ways. So uh, the idea that Cloverfield became more than that. And then thirdly, uh, I would also say marketing-wise. I was literally just about to say the marketing for the Cloverfield movies is the best. It is, it is the closest anybody's ever come to my dream, which is the idea of a movie company that does zero visual-based marketing that does, you know, that tells you what the movie is, who's in it, that kind of stuff. But if you want to see anything from the movie, you sit your butt in the seat and you watch it. Yeah. Um, And I really think there's a place for that kind of, uh, you know, like I think that gimmick is enough that people will, especially if you're making good movies, 
people will begin to like that experience and trust that experience. Hey, there's a new, you know, whatever from whatever film and it's got Brad Pitt and, you know, so-and-so in it and don't know anything about it because I haven't seen anything in it, but we're going to go watch, you know, like there's something about that. I think that the film universe is ready for, but we'll see. I, I don't know that you'll be ever be able to convince a studio executive that. So, um, so yeah, that's the, the marketing on Cloverfield movies is pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, I'll just mention, I have like three others okay. that I'll mention. Uh, Starship Troopers. Yeah. I'll throw that out there. Uh, yes. uh, Super 8, speaking of J.J. Abrams. Didn't like it. Uh, I did. I really enjoyed Super 8. And then uh, Open Water uh, was the other one with the sharks and, and such. Uh, so yeah. that, that movie's a nightmare. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is just, it is the stuff of absolute nightmares. And you know my biggest fear Sharks. So. Yeah, you and Danae both. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have two that were not mentioned. Tremors. Yeah. Which oh, yeah. I don't care what anybody says. I love Tremors. Yeah. Such a fun movie. Yeah. Gotta love Kevin Bacon. And one I was surprised you didn't mention, Pitch Black. Yeah. I, I didn't think about it, but no, that's a great choice. Man. Talk about low budget, super good sci-fi horror. Mm-hmm. Pitch Black is great. Thank you, Vin Diesel. You you know yeah. what we didn't mention that's great that we should have mentioned is The Mist. Oh, man. Right? That's a creature feature, right? Yeah. Most horrifying ending to a movie ever. It's it's <laughs> it's the worst. It's the worst ending to a movie ever. But I love it. It's perfect. No, no. I, it's well, exactly well, what that movie is supposed to be. When I say worst ending ever, like the worst possible outcome ending ever. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's probably, not a walk out the theater smiling it movie. It might be. <laughs> oh, no. I, I say the worst ending, but it might be the best ending to a movie ever. It <laughs> mi- I might actually consider The Mist to have the best ending to any movie It's hard to pull ever. that off, but I think they did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. There's our best ever creature features. We are almost there, guys. Super size edition of Sif Pop today. Yeah. Uh, we are going to do our buried treasure. I'll get mine out of the way first because it's really pretty quick and simple. I think I've had it for my buried treasure every season. Uh, Sneaky Pete's out again. New season, season three. And I think it is uh, Sneaky, one of the best uh, shows on TV. Um, it is I, what I love about it. It's not just the performances. Giovanni Ribisi is great in this role and the people around him are absolutely Margot Martindale is fabulous in this show. Um, but it is a con man show that understands we're willing to let the cons be pretty intricate and interesting, uh, in the way that it's done that three seasons in a row and is still offering surprises and fun kind of in that genre is really impressive to me. So, so I thought I mentioned sneaky Pete. I think that's a Amazon show. It is. So sneaky Pete, if you want to check it out. Uh, Sam, why don't you go next? Sure. Uh, so mine is a little bit unusual, but it is relevant. Uh, I'd like to recommend a song um, that I am a huge fan of and have been ever since the second I started hearing it. Um, one of the other big new releases this week was Rocket Man, the Elton John mm-hmm. uh, biopic. Um <clears throat> And there is an Elton John song that almost nobody has heard of uh, because it's it's very unusual and doesn't actually sound similar to Elton John's other songs. But everyone I ever know who's heard it has said, man, this is a fantastic song. Uh, it's called Amarina. It is that's A-M-O-R-E-E-N-A. Uh, and it is you might know it as the opening credit song of Dog Day Afternoon from 1975. Hmm. 
and it is it is one of the just the just the grooviest uh most exciting most most vibrant songs i've ever heard uh and it is sure to brighten up any boring commute to work so uh amarina and the album it is from is is one of my favorite songs and i think you'll agree if you give it a listen very nice andrew what's that uh, one thing in any area of pop culture that you want to let people know about well i was gonna have an amazon uh, uh show as my buried treasure but i haven't seen enough of it since it just came out last night I, I you know what i was gonna i was actually gonna bring up the fact that i can guarantee you there will be an amazon show on a future buried treasure for me because i saw 30 minutes of it and i'm in love yeah i've seen <laughs> three episodes and wow yeah. that's half the season is it really? I think there's only six. Yeah. Oh. We're talking about Good Omens yeah, since we, we haven't since we haven't <laughs> yeah. said it yet. But we're not actually talking about Good Omens. Yeah. What are we talking about? We're talking about Chernobyl. Now yeah. that I've seen enough of it, I can confirm it is one of the greatest miniseries of all time. It is, and one of the hardest to watch I've heard. Yeah. It. I. I am so glad that I'm watching this week to week. Because I don't think I could uh, binge watch it. Well, I just keep people keep saying just just prepare yourself for episode four. Just be ready for episode four. <laughs> I'm just like I don't know what that means, but you're not encouraging me to watch this show. It's oh gosh, it's it it's yeah. <laughs> yes, I, best best recommendation ever. Yeah, it's episode four is hard to watch. It, it's it's just it's it's crazy because the show just shows you the true horrors yeah. of what really happened. Yeah. And at the same time, you are so in awe of what these people are willing to do to try and stop a global catastrophe. Mm-hmm. They're trying to minimize the effect of what this is going to, you know, right. do to the world. It's still, I think to this day, it's the worst uh, tragedy on in earth's history it's something that's never happened before mm-hmm. even fukushima that just happened uh how many years ago was a tenth of what uh chernobyl was mm-hmm. and the level of realism they go to in the show was showing you what radiation that level of radiation does to a human is horrifying it's almost unbelievable you're like there's no way that would happen. I, I don't see how that could happen to somebody and they would still be alive. Or, you know, mm-hmm. is that really even a person anymore? Or stuff like that. But the acting is phenomenal. It's the way it shot the score is so haunting. It's so haunting. I do, if I'm going to give one con away for this show, I hate the fact that it's a show about Russians but every single person is British, mm-hmm. and they have thick mm. British accents. You know, they're like, hello, my name is Ivan. You know, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> you know, just, you know, phone, give me a Come fake. Come on, suspend your disbelief. Exactly. Yeah. No, are you telling me to suspend Yeah, just my... suspend your disbelief. Yeah, it's, the it's same, fine. It's the same issue I had with Enemy at the Gates. You remember that movie yeah. with uh, Jude Law and Ray Fiennes and Ed Harris? I'm like, Come on. Somebody fake a Russian accent or a German accent for me. You know, just give me something. It's weird. Okay, I'm going to be honest, though. It's a weird psychological thing, right? Because, honestly, they would be speaking Russian, not English. So you're already doing the... But there are parts where, like, uh, in the show... But do you get what I'm saying? Like, totally it's, a, it's it. weird that we can make the one suspension of disbelief, but the accent part we can't do. Yeah, but there are parts in the show, like, if there's ever, like, something over, like, the sound, like, loudspeakers or something, like, mm-hmm. warnings and stuff, it's all in Russian. Yeah. Like, it's the actual, like, uh, 
loudspeaker siren warnings, you know, and it's not subtitled. Yeah. So you're like, okay, so that's in Russian with no subtitles, but then everybody else is speaking the Queen's English, you know? <laughs> Starring Michael Caine as Ivan the Terrible. Let yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ivan the bloody terrible, sure. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, it is... Uh... It is. It is certainly a suspension of disbelief that that I I really do like the idea of actually having the language spoken that would be spoken, especially in a real life situation like that. Yeah. Um. But you know, if you're not, I think I can get over it pretty quick. Uh, but honestly, it if you give any you know weight to this at all on IMDb, it is rated the number one show of all time. Wow. Uh. Yeah. And it's not about when Cher won the Nobel Peace Prize. No. Okay, that's a different Cher Noble. Okay, yes. just want to make sure. We oh did my it. God. <laughs> oh. I didn't. I didn't drop glorious. a pun the entire episode. Okay. Well, maybe I did. I'm just gonna. Maybe. I'm gonna put my head down for the rest of this episode. So, everybody, <laughs> thank you so much for listening. I'm out. We did it, guys. We did a podcast. Well done. Yeah. I'm proud of you all. Uh, you all have excelled amazingly. Uh, so, thank you. Andrew has collapsed. Thanks so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out with us today. You can find him at Flick Freaks all over the social medias or crumpled on the floor when I make a pun. Uh, One of those two things. You know what? That's going to go down as your best slash worst. (laughs) We'll see about that. (laughs) Challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. Uh, I'm Aaron Dicer. You can find me at Aaron Dicer on the social medias. You can also find Sif Pop at Sif Pop. Huge thank you to Sam Nolan for hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I had a fantastic time. Oh, uh, we, we loved having you on, man. Uh, so tell us where people can find you, Sam. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Samuel underscore Noland. And Noland does have a D in it, which is a mistake that has been made for generations of my family. Uh, <laughs> and, we're, and we're trying to grow out of it. Uh, but yeah, I write for Cinemaholics. I go on their podcast where we review movies. We also do a monthly show called The Extra Milestone, uh, where we review a classic film celebrating an anniversary. Uh, this month, we're doing The 400 Blows from 1959, which is very exciting. So check that out. It's uh, it's a, a, a pretty fun time, if I do say so myself. Very nice. We love the gang over there at Cinemaholics, so uh, very cool, and uh, good to see you over there doing some work. Much love and gratitude to our members of Sif Pop for making this a real thing. Support starts at 3 bucks a month, and you get access to every bonus episode, as well as some other fun perks, including a monthly video hangout, that kind of stuff. Uh, all your support directly helping Sif Pop expand in 2019 to some fun new areas. We just launched live video last week. That is thanks to the members of Sif Pop, and that'll be a thing uh, most weeks. We'll have a live video of the podcast recording that will pop up on our YouTube channel, which uh, you can subscribe to. Just go to youtube.com slash Sif Pop. Uh, lots of ways to connect with us. You can leave a comment, uh, or you can rate or review the podcast wherever you listen to it. Throw some stars our way. We would appreciate that. 
You can also email us at feedback at sifpop.com with any questions or comments you had. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like it too, so let them know about it and that listening is much easier than throwing the perfect murder mystery party. Uh, we will be back uh, next week with Dark Phoenix, right? Isn't next mm-hmm. week Dark Phoenix week? So we'll be talking some Ooh. X-Men next week, and we'll see you then. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.